0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the
1: hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at ClipIt.tv or check them on Twitter at Clip it tv. <laughs> So who in the hell is Bill Bergey? Hello and welcome to Upon Further Review. My name is Vince Quinn, and today we're going to answer that very question. Because it's a question that has been bothering me. As an Eagles fan for a long time, and not six months or a year or two, this is a question that I've thought about in passing, for the last 15 years or so, because Bill Berge is a name that comes up, but he's an interesting cross-section of Philadelphia Eagles history. He hits, or rather, he doesn't hit a lot of the major gaps that people are so connected to. He's not a part of the Buddy Ryan era. He's not a part of the Andy Reid era. He didn't win a championship with Chuck Benarek back in the day. And as much as everyone's told me he's good over the years, and that's really the only thing you get is, well, who's Bill Berg? Oh, he was a good linebacker back in the day. You don't even get the era, really, that he played in. And you don't see his jerseys everywhere either. You go to the stadium, to see Reggie White's, you see your Dawkins, You see Randall Cunningham's guys from the 80s, but you don't go back far enough to see Bill Berge. And so I had to find out just how good he is, what his deal was, what what makes him noteworthy. Because he's a guy that even if you're a more casual fan, you've heard the name Bill Berge and you say, oh yeah, I've heard about him. He's a good linebacker because that's the only thing that people have told you about him. (laughs) So I had to find out, and Bill Berge, it starts with his college career, and I'll tell you, for a guy that I knew nothing about, he impressed me from the start with his college career, and he doesn't look back because Bill Berge went to Arkansas State University, and he did it in the late 60s. So he was there, he played a little bit of fullback, he played some nose tackle for a little while, ultimately made the switch to linebacker, which is where he spent the entirety of the rest of his NFL life. And he did a hell of a job there. Because when Bill Berge left Arkansas State University, it turns out that he set a bunch of records. So they were all related to tackling, for the most part. He set the most tackles in a game, the most tackles in a season at Arkansas State, and the most tackles over the course of an entire career. And on top of that, his senior year, which was 1968, he was an All-American. So strong player, has all of those check marks that certain people look for when a player goes into the draft. When you're at a smaller school, and look, I can't tell you – how much of a powerhouse Arkansas State University was or wasn't then, but I had never heard of the school existing prior to looking up Bill Berge, and considering I've never heard of other players that have gone there, I don't. they don't strike me as a large program. So anyway, Bill Berge, though, goes there, goes to this smaller school, as we'll call it, and does set all of these records, does get the recognition of being named an All-American football player. And he was so good that they did, in fact, retire his number, which, the same number he wore with the Philadelphia Eagles, number 66. It was retired. So Bill Berge, hell of a start to his relevant football career. And here's what's really cool about Bill Berge. And and this is one of the best things about him, is the era in which he played and and some of the experiences that Bill Berge went through which were totally unique to his time. For example, Bill Berge, when he graduated college, again, as an All-American in 1968, he had the luxury of, before he went into the NFL... He played the college All-Star game. Now, this is not your typical East-West, you know what I mean? It's it's not a standard All-Star game in any capacity. What it was is something that you've probably talked about in a bar or made fun of a team by discussing this. It's the college All-Stars, so your All-American-type players, all were put together to form a single team And they played what was, at the time, the NFL champion. So Bill Berge, in 1969, so after the 68 season and prior to the 69 season, they got to play, and he got to play, the New York Jets. The Joe Namath calling it New York Jets. Just after they'd won their championship, Bill Berge got to play. And that was a tradition that... It did last for a little while. It started in the 30s and went until 1976. But, again, that's 40 years ago now. So the modern player can't relate to that. It's something that's a fantasy. It's, it's something that you would – it blew me away that it was real. I actually – I didn't know that was an actual thing that previously happened. But Bill Berge got to play as a college player against the best team at that time in the NFL, the winners of Super Bowl three. And that's something to to take note of as well as we explore Bill Bergie and his history, because Bill Bergey again nineteen sixty nine he just played the Super Bowl three champions. The NFL was just merging together at this time, so the league was was growing and starting to become the powerhouse, but was not quite that yet. It was all new. There was all new teams, and they had to um, they had to figure out their place in the world still. So, Bill Berge is drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. He's the fifth pick in the second round of the 1969 draft. Notable name to come out of that draft. First pick overall, O.J. Simpson. So, with this class, Bill Berge and O.J. hand-in-hand. Hand, okay, maybe not hand-in-hand. They go into a formative time of, NF, of the NFL history because 1966, the NFL makes the agreement that the AFL, the American Football League, and the NFL, the National Football League, would merge into one collective group, which would become the AFC and the NFC. Now, looking at Berge, and, and this was what struck me as crazy, too, because going through this time, I, I go to look at the stats, and Bill Berge a linebacker. So when you're trying to figure out what a linebacker's done, what's something that helps you? Well, it's certainly going to be tackles. Now, at this time, tackles weren't recorded as a stat, not with any sort of remote accuracy. Think about that. I looked at his sheet, and he, Bill Berge played until 1980, through the 1980 season. There's no legitimacy to any tackles that Bill Bergey made over the entire course of his NFL career. And the same thing is said for sacks. So two of the stats that you look for, you have no idea what the situation is. And part of that, it, it got a little more uniform over the years. But actually, tackling is still not a legitimate stat. It's not uniform. So that's why if you've looked up a player on ESPN, a player on pro football reference, a player on NFL.com, if you've looked up the same player on all these different outlets, they might have different tackle totals. It's because it's not standardized. And for Bill Berge, the, the thing, it was more of a, teams would tell their players what numbers were, they would keep their own numbers, but the legitimacy, it meant very little. So, Bill Berge goes in a league at the time where stats don't exist, or sacks don't exist. Tackles are a thing that's super mysterious as much as we think we have a grip on it now. And he also entered the league in the last year of the AFL, because when the AFL and the NFL merged, it was again a four-year process. It started in 66, and then they officially came together in 1970, so... At that point, once it hit 1970, it gets to a change where you can really recognize bits and pieces of what the NFL is today. So, for example, if you were to run down everything, uh, all the different divisions that took place in the NFL at that time, well, let's see, let's go to the NFC East, for example. You had the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, the St. Louis Cardinals, who, if you remember, the Arizona Cardinals eventually were a part of the division up in into the 2000s, and the Philadelphia Eagles, all together in the NFC East, in the NFC Central, the Vikings, the Lions, the Packers, the Bears, in the AFC Central, and this is where Bill Bergey was later filed into. You have the Bengals, the Browns, the Steelers, and the Oilers, so when Bill Bergey goes to the Cincinnati Bengals in 1969, it's a year before they're officially fully merged. And it's very noteworthy for Bill Bergey for his career because he had an exceptional rookie season. I can't tell you how exceptional because I don't know how many tackles he really had. The stat's not legitimate. It's not anywhere. And you don't know how many sacks he had. You know that he had a couple of interceptions. But... What's interesting is Bill Bergey was a all-star for the AFL, which was a Pro Bowl equivalent. He was an all-star his rookie season, and he was also the defensive rookie of the year, which means he was also the last ever defensive rookie of the year for the American Football League. Now, throughout his career, because he does go through this merger, uh, Bill Berge has a very successful career with the Cincinnati Bengals. When you run through his history there, it's, it doesn't stand out in terms of Pro Bowls or anything. But what you see is a large number of interceptions. And this is something that's prevalent through Bill Berge's entire career. He actually ended his career, and he played 12 NFL seasons, 27 interceptions over 12 years, and that's a pretty impressive number because if you consider, for example, one of the guys that I thought of to try to get a grounding for that was Derek Brooks, and Derek Brooks was considered the ultimate coverage linebacker, that Tampa 2 scheme with, um, I'm blanking on his name, Tony Dungy, and he played a long career, won a Super Bowl, all those things. He had 25. So so Bill Berge managed to get 27 interceptions in the course of his career in a time where the NFL was entirely different. Again, it's just becoming the NFL as we know it. And passing was entirely different. Think of today. Your quarterback's going to average 35 passes a game. Well, Bill Berge's quarterbacks in 1970 to 1970, you know, 1980 when he ended his career – They're averaging more like 23 passes a game. So Bill Berge is able to come up with 27 interceptions in his career in 14-game seasons when quarterbacks passed far less, almost two-thirds less than they do today in the modern era. So truly impressive what he was able to do, and and that's one of the few markers you have. So you note that Bill uh, Bill Berge, early in his career, He's getting interceptions. And he's also he's consistently on the field, which is it's a hard thing to find. And for a guy who's playing a middle linebacker position in an era where again the medicine and everything it's it's going to be worse, the conditions are worse, and the running is far more prevalent. Bill Berge was there for the Bengals in his time there. 14-game seasons, you run down the list. He missed two games, one season to injury. He missed two starts in that same year. But in a five-year stretch, he basically started every game through, for his entire career as a Cincinnati Bengal. Now, when you consider that Bill Berge was a guy that was causing all of these interceptions and he was a he was the last ever defensive rookie of the year, for the American Football League, you think, well, how did he become an eagle? You know, why would they let this guy go? He's young, he's sturdy, he's a playmaker. In a very true sense of the word, a playmaker making these interceptions, sometimes over 50-yard returns on interceptions. Where does he go? What happened here? Well, actually, it was a sort of love triangle. Because a third party stepped into play in the name of the World Football League. Now, the World Football League is something that actually has some connections to Philadelphia. It was a rival league that was started, and and again, they wanted to compete with the NFL. They're a rival. And they were founded in 1973. So Bill Berge had had multiple NFL seasons under his belt. He was an established veteran at this point. The World Football League came in to compete and started trying to pull NFL players away. Think of what happened if you are aware of the USFL. They had the same situation. Basically, every league that comes in to try to compete with the NFL tries to pull away NFL players. And the World Football League tried to enter themselves into the conversation with Bill Berge. And the World the World Football League, by the way, did have a team in Philadelphia called the Philadelphia Bell, which we can talk about in another time. So the WFL, we'll call them, they offer Bill Berge a contract while he's still a Cincinnati Bengal in 1973. And you know what Bill Berge does? He signed it. Bill Berge, a member of the Cincinnati Bengals, signs a contract with an entire different league in the World Football League. He signed with the Florida Blazers. Now, here's the catch. It's a futures contract, which means it wasn't going to take effect until Bill Berge's contract with the Bengals ended in 1976. Now, for Paul Brown who was running the Bengals at this time, he was noticeably pissed about this ordeal. (laughs) A solid player that they had drafted, had been paying for all these years, decides to go to another league. And for Berge, this was your typical, you hear it all the time from the NFL situation, right? It's, It's always, it's a business, man. I'm just... Looking out to uh, take care of myself because you know how the football landscape is. I know how the football landscape is. They don't try to take care of you. So when you've got this opportunity of a contract coming along, you got to take it. And Bill Berge, presented by the money that the WFL was offering to him at this time, he was more than okay to take it. He actually is quoted as saying, it was for the money. I'll make no bones about it. The World Football League was going to give me about five times as much money as I was making in the NFL. I had a nice long talk with Paul Brown, and he said, all that glitters isn't gold. You ought to take a real hard look at it, which in other words means, Bill, please, no, don't go. But Bill Bergey was fine with it. And he said, but to secure the future for my wife and kids, I decided to do it. So he signs that deal. Paul Brown is upset. He's pleading with Bill Bergey to stay. And when he finds out that Bill does officially sign that contract, he throws a lawsuit at him. Yes, the Cincinnati Bengals sued Bill Bergey for signing his futures contract with the World Football League. And... This is where we get to a sort of franchise-changing, life-changing situation. Because the Bengals don't want him anymore. The situation is too fractured. And what do you know? Enter the Philadelphia Eagles. Because at this time, it's a futures contract. Berge's under contract with the Bengals and the NFL until 1976. So the Eagles say... Hey, we'll take a shot at these two seasons with them. Let's go for it. And boy, do they go for it. Let me tell you, because the deal that they made for Bill Berge alone was a first-round pick, and this was in 1974. They traded a first-round pick in 1977. They traded a first in 78. And they traded a second-round pick in 78 on top of that. Think about that. Two first-round picks and a second-round pick for a middle linebacker, and he was 29 years old at the time. Could you imagine that? I think of a guy like D'Amico Ryans. When the Eagles made a deal, they traded maybe a fifth-round pick to get D'Amico Ryans, an aged linebacker, 28, 29, had a well-established career, had made a Pro Bowl. When they signed him, you say, okay, he has maybe two, three years left. We'll hope for the best. You're going to have to work on replacing him in a year or two, but he'll fill the gap. They went all in. And, and not only did they give these two firsts and a second for Bill Bergey, the Eagles did, they gave him a five-year deal. Again, at 29 years old. That's a hell of a move by the Philadelphia Eagles. And it's one that you'd, you'd feel kind of queasy about. Even Bill Berge felt weird about it. Seriously. He, he had doubts about the trade. And he, he was quoted as saying something to the effect of, you know, I don't think the Eagles should have paid that much. So when he's saying it, it I mean, Wow. And that was around the time of the deal that he said it. So it's a truly bold move by the Philadelphia Eagles because you also have the lingering futures contract with the World Football League to go on top of all of this. Now, luckily for the Philadelphia Eagles, the World Football League happened to be going through financial crisis shortly after the contract was signed by Bill Bergey. And when the World Football League was founded in 1973 and really got moving and they did their first season in 74, they were bringing all these players in because, like Bill Berge said, five times the money that the NFL was offering. So they're going and going and going and going and going. But the thing is, the attendance wasn't great. And so sales were down. And so you couldn't afford players and you couldn't afford coaches and general managers and things. And And like all the other leagues, the ship, started to sink and as the players felt it they all started scattering back to the NFL Berge never got the chance to play in the WFL because they folded in 1975 and his contract was for 1976 so he was all alone for the Philadelphia Eagles he signed that five-year deal and boy, did it work out for the Eagles. As bold of a move as it was. And, and for me, knowing what that pick compensation was I, and knowing what he did there, man, it worked out. It really did. Bill Bergey was a stud for the Philadelphia Eagles, and there's really no question about it. In his first two years and getting started at 29 years old for the Eagles, he made the Pro Bowl. He was a first-team All-Pro player. He had eight interceptions in two seasons, and in that second season, he got another all-pro nod, first team, didn't miss a start. Again, we don't know how many tackles he had, (laughs) who knows, but he had a hell of a start for the Philadelphia Eagles, and so he gives you two really good seasons at 29 and 30 years old, and then the Eagles take another interesting historic turn. They fire their head coach after a 4-10 season and hire a Mr. Dick Vermeil. You might have heard about him. Now, Dick Vermeil at this time is a really young guy, and he's a disciplinarian, and the team, a lot of the players had a problem with him. Bill Berge loved the guy. And the general sentiment behind it being that Dick Vermeil was a hard-nosed, get-rid-of-the-fat kind of guy. If you weren't a true player, if you couldn't commit yourself, he didn't want you and you were gone. And that's what happened. And you can see it as the record for the Philadelphia Eagles under Dick Vermeil slowly goes up and up and up and up. First season, okay, they're 4 and 10 again. Next season, 5 and 9. But then 9 and 7, 11 and 5, and you go to 1980 where they're 12 and 4. Bill Berge is a part of all of that, and he's a major part of that because in the Dick Vermeil era of the Philadelphia Eagles, Bill Berge goes to three more Pro Bowls. He goes to three more second-team All-Pro selections, and it gets to a point where he's the highest-paid defensive player in all of football. And again, when he was 29 years old, when he got traded. So Bill Berge, at maybe 33 years old, becomes the highest-paid defensive player in the NFL. He made a four-year, $1 million contract. And and that's life in the late 70s for the NFL. Four years, $1 million, highest-paid defensive player in the NFL. Now it's Ndamukong Suh with... I mean, dear God, however much money he gets, it's something like $20 million a year for six years. So a little perspective for you. Now, there's an interesting turning point here. There's a bump in the road for Bill Berge, and it is a massive one. This isn't your traditional speed bump. This is evil Knievel jumping the Grand Canyon. Because at 34 years old, In 1979, week three versus the New Orleans Saints, Bill Berge tears his knee. This is not good. Cartilage, ligaments. For a guy who's 34 and plays linebacker, and it's 1979? Oh, no, 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 not good. Good. Think of all the injuries. ACLs have been a death sentence for guys, even as late as 2002, 2003. And since then, it's gotten a little bit better and better and better. And now it's, it's a possibility that a player comes back and plays very well. But ACLs and knees in general, just man, not good stuff and Bill Berge riding off of three consecutive Pro Bowl selections, it's his fifth consecutive time that he's been selected as an all-pro whether first or second team and he's 34 and he tears his knee. And he misses that whole season where the Eagles go 11 and 5, they get to a conference championship game and they lose. Here's what's incredible about him. He comes back in 1980. And he plays the entire season. Think about that. A 35-year-old linebacker who tears everything during the season in 1979 is able to come back and play the full year and play more games than you normally ever would. Now, the thing is, as expected, he wasn't quite where he should be and this is a a truly fascinating perspective on it because you get to hear what Bill Berge says describing how the game was leaving him and he says if I was at one time 100 percent football player after my knee injury I don't think I got past 65 percent when I was on top of my game, I could diagnose a play and get to a spot almost wait for a ball carrier. After the knee injury, I could still diagnose a play, but by the time I could get to the spot, the ball carrier was gone. And it's something that we've seen time and time again, haven't we? These guys who they, they one injury, you lose one step, you're done. It can go like that. And for Bill Bergey, It certainly felt that way. But he was still able to be a starter on the 1980 Philadelphia Eagles and play all the way up to the Super Bowl and end his career with a Super Bowl loss against the Oakland Raiders at age 35. Now, he did try to return because uh, typical NFL fashion, you don't want to just believe it's over you. A lot of guys push it further. Think of what Ryan Howard is doing. He's an Atlanta Brave right now. He's just hanging on for that one last shot. And Bill Berge, for him, it was a little bit more abrupt. It took one injury, one bad season, and he he had that feeling. And it felt too soon. And a guy for who played as exceptionally as he had for his entire career going back to college when his number was retired, yes, this is sudden. It is surprising. So, Bill Berge comes back and tries to play in 1981. And it's really depressing when he talks about it. But he tried out, he was, or rather, he was in training camp and he was missing a lot of practices and his knee was feeling sore all the time. And eventually they put him on the equivalent of injured reserve. And he was out for a four week injured reserve period. And he never came back after that. And what he said was, nobody had to tell me that it was my time. I would always be up in the 200s as far as tackles goes. I think that year we went to the Super Bowl, I played in every game and played on every play. I think I was around 135 tackles. It was absolutely dreadful. Now, how weird is that? Because he talks about the decline, it's steep, it's noticeable, he can feel it, but he still tried out anyway for that next season. But he says he thinks he averaged over 200 tackles a year in seasons where you only played 14 games, and 135 tackles was low. If you have 135 tackles today in a season, you're a pro bowler and no one's thinking twice about it. But this is the kind of impact that Bill Berge had on a game, and he had it disappear so quickly. And he just says, It was absolutely dreadful. I used to watch film, and I would remember, Gosh, I used to be able to make that play, and it was so easy to make that play. I just couldn't make it anymore. And so Bill Berge, in 1981, had to retire. But at the end of it, he had a hell of a career. And over the course, what Bill Berge racked up as a Philadelphia Eagle, four Pro Bowl appearances, five All-Pro selections. He was awarded a contract where he was the highest-paid player in the entire NFL on the defensive side of the ball. Three times his teammates voted him as the MVP of the squad. He was naturally with all of that in seven seasons put in the Eagles Hall of Fame, and it's just its an astounding career. The time frame, the ahead-of-the-curve ability with his interceptions, again, 27 total interceptions for his career. He had 18 and seven seasons as a Philadelphia Eagle, including seasons where he had five interceptions, seasons with four interceptions. He was absolutely astounding, and at 6'3", 243, that guy was a force, at a time where the position was more important than ever. So truly incredible what Bill Berge was able to do. And after that, he was able to translate it into a broadcasting career, on the radio, on television. You'd see him talking after the games. And he still makes his appearances and still pops up from time to time to talk about the birds. And you might have seen him at an event somewhere, been able to shake his hand. I was fortunate enough to do that a couple of years ago. I didn't really quite know who he was then. I was still asking myself as I'm shaking his hand. I'm like, who the hell is Bill Bergey, really? But, man, the, the guy is, yeah, he's still living and perhaps the greatest eagle currently alive. I mean, really, Bill Bergey had such an exceptional career for his era, and so I'm glad we've had the opportunity to give him his due. And with that, that is upon further review for this week. And I appreciate you for joining the show. If you like the episode, feel free to follow me at It's Vince Quinn. And um, we can get you connected to some previous episodes as well. Go to BGNRadio.com if you like this episode. And I'll talk to you next week.